Trash. Trash. I love Terry and I love what he does. Like he is, he is a true patron of the arts and someone who just wants people to like hear good music. And like, he's just, oh, he's just, I've never heard anything that he's put out on that label. That's been, you know, garbage or anything. It's always been very quality. I I don't know, man. How did you come into contact with a coal mine? Um, I first met Terry uh, after I was, I started playing with Duran Jones and the Indications in 2017 and uh, started going on the road with them. And then anytime we would go through Cincinnati where, uh, you know, Plaid Room Records and Coal Mine is located, uh, we'd usually, you know, we'd see him, we'd go to the shop, we might crash there. Uh, but that's when I met him, you know, in 2017, the first time and would, you know, see him for the next couple of years. And uh, one time when we went through in 2019, you know, we ended up just having a session upstairs, just, playing a few songs recording it and um uh yeah and that we kind of you know snowballed into uh putting that album out yeah uh, yesterday <laughs> yeah man and fucking hey man it is uh it's a very beautiful album steve like i really really lo- enjoy it um it's just one of those records that uh, I, I I I work as a cook in the morning like i'm very early in the morning so i'll uh I just I love listening to just like real chill jazz, um, or or like lo-fi or or just something that you could just like vibe to. And I've been just jamming your album for the last few days, and it's just been it's just been fantastic, man. Um, tell Appreciate me, that, man. Thank you. Oh yeah, it's beautiful, man. I, I love the the spatial resonance, and you guys really did a great job with just the the simple capture of 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 the instruments and i mean it's it's a trio so it's like a very simple setup and you know all the acoustic naders is a fan naders is a fan um all right <laughs> uh, it, it really is it really is something um something special man uh, tell me how you came about recording this and your decision to uh do sort of a really stripped down trio and and you know simple recording like lay it on us baby so um yeah yeah when terry and i decided to uh you know uh you know have a session and and put some tracks together i came there uh with uh aaron fraser and mike montgomery in november of 2019 oh november of no i'm sorry november of 2020 okay um and went there with uh you know maybe like 12 13 like compositions that you know really beat oriented really fully composed stuff that we were going to start overdubbing on you know and really fill out to make a big thing and those and it was a fun week and those tracks ended up being pretty cool um but then that last day of that session we just ran tape mike played the upright bass i was on the piano um you know aaron on the drums and we just like just improvised and that ended up being the track sunday the last track on Magnolia. And so listening back to those tracks after the session, we we're like, man, this is really special. Like this, this last track that we did, this is, we got to try to do some more stuff like this because sonically it just is exactly where we wanted it to be. 
the stripped down improvisatory nature. And again, I think it being like the last uh, track, the last day of that session, we were all really dialed in with what we were doing musically. So um, yeah, so then we went back in, I think June of 2021 and did a week uh, just improvising the tape. And that's what the rest of Magnolia came from. What was the vibe you guys were shooting for? Was there was there an example in your head uh, that you were trying to attain? Um, because you said you had a bunch of different, you had songs that are fully formed, and then you, you know, you were like in that last day when you did recorded Sunday. Uh, you know, that was when you hit the vibe. What was the vibe that you guys were were trying to hit? That's a good question. I mean, I don't think we were looking for anything uh, in particular. It was just at that point, at the end of the session, we just kind of, we were out of gas. You know, mm. we didn't really have any more songs to do. So we are like, let's see what just happens naturally. Mm. Um, and that being said, too, you know, we were, I, I don't know if it was during that session, but I'm, I'm sure it was some, you know, we were listening to a, a lot of instrumental stuff, a lot of Bill Evans stuff, a lot of uh, like those Ethiopian piano records, those compilations. Um um, and, you know, really kind of like digging into that, you know, the old like Van Gelder records from the 60s and 70s, stuff that was, you know, probably a little more, uh, again, with like a little more driving than what we ended up coming up with. But sonically, we were all kind of in that space. Mm, right on, right on. So what did you what did you do with the other songs that you guys recorded? They're, I got them. They never like mastered them, I don't think. But mm. uh they're pretty cool. I like them. Maybe at some point they'll come out after, you know, but it's, uh, those are much more like, they, they feel like sample packs almost like, Hey, here are these, like, here's like eight tracks that you can really chop the hell out of and, and do whatever you want with. So we'll see what happens. That's a good idea. Um, I know, uh, the one, the, the drummer for Surefire Soul Ensemble, who's on Coal Mine, he released sort of a, a drum pack sort of uh thing where he was it was just like here sample this and then i know uh uh god i'm i'm spacing on his name what uh, tim tim felton who is the sort yeah. of leader um tim tim ended up using some of those samples for soul fire songs it's like well we already have the drums so let's just use this and fuck it which, <laughs> which i love i love that i love that because tim uh he 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 comes from sort of a uh hip-hop background funk i remember like i first met him in san diego when i first got out there because i tried out for his band uh which i can't even remember what it was for but like he was you know we got the chat and stuff we both had the same uh same taste in music um uh, poets of rhythm have you ever heard of poets of rhythm mm, you know sure. that, that fantastic album they put out uh discern define like just that it like that was that was the album we were like bonding on and stuff um uh, now I, I've seen Duran Jones in San Diego, and I immediately bought that first album, which uh, you're not a part of that first album, correct? Correct. Um, but uh, I ended up seeing Duran Jones because they opened up for Surefire uh, at this little bar in, in San Diego. Did you go, were you on the road with them at that time? or? Yeah, I remember that gig. Okay. That was, uh, I forget the name of the bar though, but yeah, there's like too. three or four bars on that street in San Diego. Yeah. And we ended up playing, I think like all of them at some point, but uh, I love Surefire. I love Tim. Yeah. Uh, that whole band is just so stupid talented. And, yeah. and Tim is just such a kind, 
good guy. Uh, I love running into him and love chopping it up because, yeah, his music sensibilities are just so strong. And I feel like, uh, you know, he could probably have a good conversation with anyone about some sort of music. <laughs> he is, man. He's great. I think, I think he's pretty broad with it. Yeah, man. He, uh, he, he, I, I think he just uh, recorded and, and put out a, um, I, I don't know, did Cole might put it out? I don't, can't remember. But uh, it was a reggae band because I remember he even was, we were talking. He was like, do you know any reggae bands that would, you, would fit this vibe? And he ended up going with this band called Boostive, and, which was a great choice. Uh, but hmm. yeah, man, he, he, he has such a broad spectrum of, 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 yeah, like you said, music sensibility. And uh, he ended up doing my wife's album. We ended up recording at his studio uh, on the oh, task nice. cam. Yeah, man. No, Tim is Tim is legit, man. He's a legit dude. Um, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but but that's that task cam, man. And, and I think Terry has the same one. What's the model? No, I can never remember. It's like the 388 or something. That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, the 388. I fucking did it. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I messed that up. Um, <laughs> no, man, that that tape vibe, man, is just so great. What, what, uh, when you went into this, did you know you wanted it to be an analog kind of feel? Like you, when you, when you, uh, when you guys sat down and talked about this. Yeah, we definitely knew that we were going to do everything to the 388, mm -hmm. and we were going to try to keep it uh, pretty minimal. You know, we wanted a lot of room sound um you know isolation was like important to a point but you know uh, the terry actually terry put out i think he started playing that youtube video mm. i think it's like a 10 minute video talking about how we recorded a lot of the tracks uh on the album and uh, he's really good at explaining how we kind of wanted that that room sound to kind of gel everything together and yeah there's just something about the tape that has such a vibe and something about that 388 that uh really helps everything kind of sing Oh hell yeah, man! I kind of want to. I, I saw the whole thing. Um, oh, did I let it play? Dipshit! All right, hold on. We're, we're just gonna play some of it because it's so good. Uh, and then we'll bring you. Uh, where are you? Where'd you go? There you are. Yeah, there he is. Um, All right. <laughs> and let me see. I, Google Google Meets is such a a dickhead of a program. Oh, no, now I went to Sure. Oh no, wait, no, this is the Jive Turkey. This is Terry's band, Jive yep. Turkeys. Wait a second, go back. There we go. All right, hold on. Let me do this, and I'll so you can hear it too. Um, that should be it, right? Yeah. All right, share that. Oh, we gotta spread it out. Sorry, I'm I'm my own producer here, so none of this is set up here. But <laughs> but let's check out a little bit of of how this record was made because I, I this stuff to me is fascinating because I, I do recording and engineering and stuff. So this stuff just gets me so hard. It's, it's just amazing. So let's check it out. Let's see, we ready? Yeah. All right. Uh, greetings, it's Terry Cole from, from Coal Mine Records. I'm, I'm here at Portage Lounge, our new studio um, that we're still in the middle of building out. But um, I'm here to talk about the Okonski record, Magnolia, because somebody commented on Instagram and asked about how we recorded the drums. And that was about all the motivation I needed to want to talk about uh, this record. How we 
that's what I love about about about, <laughs> about Terry is that he doesn't really need a reason. He's just like, oh, oh, that's good enough. Let's just do a whole video now. <laughs> and you know that song that you're hearing too, uh, that he kind of samples all this is one of those tracks from the first session. Oh. Uh, but there's just he chose to do that. We were talking about just because it has so much uh, more drums that are a lot more prominent. You could hear everything being displayed a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. We made it, and uh, yeah, it's gonna get real nerdy. Let's go. Very nerdy. Let's so, go, Terry. If you don't care, that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, as far as the general goal for this record, you know, Steve and I talked a lot about it. Um, I don't think we were trying to make a Rudy Van Gelder Blue Note record, but that was certainly like a reference. Um, I think more of the the whole room aesthetic when we were recording this record. Um, you know, a lot of those famous Blue Note records, especially the records from that were recorded in Hackensack, feel like you're just in the room, you know, listening to a bunch of people play. He just has such a wide knowledge of of, of, of music and stuff, too. Like, I don't even know what Hackensack is. Like, <laughs> I should know that. As, that was the, that was, that's a town in Jersey, in mm. New Jersey, where his original, Rudy Van Gelder's original studio was. Ah, Okay. Thank you. See, that, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we needed a little fill in there. All right. And I think we wanted to try to capture a little bit of that with this record. So let's go through all the bullshit that we used to record this. Let's do it. So this record had six tracks. Uh, we, we tracked it to the Tascam 388, which is an eight track quarter inch machine. Um, we only used six of them. Uh, and we used, let's see, for the kick, we used the, uh, you know, the old, 50, I call them old 57s, it's a sure 545 SD, it's a Unidyne dynamic mic. Um, I'll isolate the track so we can. You know, boom bap, just sounds like some boom bap. Uh, for the snare, which we didn't use this very much in the mix, uh, we used the Sennheiser 421. It's very low in the mix. It's just like a little bit of like nothingness. Piano, we used the EV RE16. Um, this was mic'd on the back of the soundboard, right in the center, and it had a really big baffle on it. So like the piano is actually one of the few tracks that has pretty good isolation. As you can hear, it's pretty well isolated there. Um, the primary drum mic was this ribbon mic, the Shear 300, which was running through a warm audio 412 preamp, pretty hot. So this is where a lot of like the dirt on the drum is coming from, the drum kit. This is overhead. I mean, that mic alone right there is just, oh man, I, that thing is beautiful. <laughs> that thing is beautiful. I, I absolutely love that, man. I mean, like, I, to me, this is like, this is, this is everything to me. Like, this is just as good as me watching a band. You know what I mean? Like, I just, this yeah. kind of shit is just, it, oh, sweet. Uh, there was a couple magazines that were out. Oh, what was it? It used to be called Recording, and then they changed it to something, but... And then there was another, I think Tape Op is another one yeah. that you can get, mm -hmm. like, it's just all nerd shit, man. And it's just, like, engineers talking about their experience and mics that they use. I, I don't know. How deep do you go into this kind of stuff? 
That's a lot. I mean, I don't go that hard into this, but I think like when someone like Terry is explaining it, it's just so uh, clean and so mm -hmm. interesting, you know, like I've opened up tape ops and I don't know most of what I'm reading there. <laughs> um, and I recognize the depth and the wormhole that you can get into doing that. It's just not something I put the time in on. Uh, well, you're you're busy playing beautifully and writing music, so it's fine, you know. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> everybody has their strengths, you know. It's uh, <laughs> it, for real, though. I mean, like, I I wouldn't expect every musician to know how to do this stuff. You know, it, that's just ridiculous thing to ask of a, of a musician who's trying to, uh, you know, be good at their craft. Well, I'm gonna arrange this a little better so it looks good or looks gooder. All right, here we go. That's a little better. All right, here we go. We're, we're going to keep watching this because, hey, this is fun. Oh, start. And then maybe the two most important mics. Uh, this is what we used to mic Mike Montgomery on Upright Bass. Uh, Shear SM5B. It's like a prototype to the SM7. So this was used on the Upright, and it was used on the room mic. It was overhead over the entire room. I would say that these two, we used two of these. These two mics added probably the most character um, to the recording. Like these two mics, the overhead and the upright are capturing most of what you ended up hearing on the actual recording. Um, so I just turn up the bass mic in the room. That's like most of what this record sounds like. It's just those two mics. And then so all we had to do was like sprinkle in a little bit of that dirty drum, a little bit of Steve's piano, and the kick. And we're pretty much there. So uh, this was a super fun record to wait, make because it was a pretty minimal approach, like not a ton of wild gear was used to make it, but I think Steve, Mike, Aaron, and I are all very, very pleased with how it came out, like the end result. It feels like a record that's like just friends playing. It feels like you're sitting in the room, you know, it doesn't feel like overly dirty or anything like that. So uh, we're gonna go through the new track that just came out recently. Oh, and uh, yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, that that's just a, a great explanation. And uh, I, I loved how he was saying, he, he made a point of saying, you know, he, you guys weren't using a bunch of, you know, crazy equipment. I mean, to me, that's amazing equipment and crazy. Uh, but you guys weren't, it, it wasn't like, you know, cause sometimes you walk into sessions and, and, and the drums are just like a, a barrage of mics, you know, like top of the tom, bottom of the tom, top of the snare, top of the, you know, like I yeah. love these minimal, uh, miking methods that just, they speak volumes on the, on the, on the, on the end result. Um, I, mean, I feel like you can hear. I mean, when he just does those two SM5Bs, mm -hmm. that shit is crazy, man. Right. That really is like the whole thing. Right. You know, with other stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, the more stuff you have, the more chance you have to get in the way of yourself. So yeah. it's nice to keep things minimal. A absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that was like, uh, it, Tim has that same thing from Surefire. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when we were talking, it was uh, his drum setup is like, he, he with one of the albums, I'm pretty sure it was one mic for the drums. <laughs> And it was just like <laughs> it was just placed next to the kick, kind of under the snare. I'm yeah. pretty sure that was what it was. It, maybe I'm wrong, but but most of the time it's just one on the kick, and he has one mic uh, uh, on top, just covering the snare and the cymbals and stuff, and and that's it. And keep it simple and keep it pushing, and you know that that definitely harkens back to you know these older studios and of course like when these studios got more money and was able to do more they obviously they did go a little further but you know you got to imagine that back when uh, any studio was going like um did you ever go to the motown studio uh when you're in michigan the Motown. you know and i regrettably uh every chance that i had to go i think i tried to not when i was living there and when i would go back every time i tried to go it was a monday and they were closed on mondays and so i actually i've been outside but i never actually stepped in Hmm. yeah they they, that that place is a trip man like because they were using just a big hole in the ceiling as their reverb you know and you could you could actually (laughs) in like when you go through the museum you can actually look up it and you can yell up it and you can hear it and it's just this big hole that went to the attic, and and that and then they just put a mic up there, and you just or maybe they shot it, shot the sound up there with a speaker or something. I can't remember how it was, but it, it's just <clears throat> that's sweet, fuck? man. Hell yeah! They, they, <laughs> talk about room reverb. Uh, that's <laughs> that's what it was, man. So so you uh, you're from Michigan? Yeah, from Michigan. Uh, what part? I grew up in a little town called Milan, which oh, yeah. is just outside of Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti, uh, southeast Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I'm very yeah. familiar. Uh, Milan and that whole area. Uh, when I got back into town from San Diego, uh, Michigan was the only place that had legal weed, so we were just constantly driving up there, <laughs> <laughs> getting overcharged. But you know, that's funny, man. Yeah, that was that's news to me. I mean, I guess I knew, but it was never happening when I was there. Right. Well, dude, I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how much fucking weed you smoked, but like, I remember there was a time when I was growing up that where like going and buying weed was like, you're meeting some dude in some parking lot somewhere and it's like, keep it down, keep it down, bro. You know, like, don't show the money. You know, like it was a very dirty and illegal thing. And then uh, all of a sudden it wasn't. All of a sudden you could just go buy weed, which yeah, I mean, it's like going to an Apple Store, man. <laughs> they're so damn, they're so clean. Yeah, 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 you're so happy, Robbie. You got the medical card. Yeah, it, it's amazing. No, it is, it is. And then like during the pandemic, we found these trap shops in Detroit, and that was a little sketchy. Because then you got to go like to these like sketchy parts of town, and when you walk in, there's just some dude with like this automatic rifle laying on his big fat gut just like what's up? you know and <laughs> hey but but you, those were the deals that's where you got the deals man <laughs> otherwise you're paying those those dispensary prices and it's just it's just ridiculous it's just yeah ridiculous. man yeah <laughs> haters uh it, so um tell me about like your your background with music man like where 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 did it all begin yeah, I mean, I started playing piano when I was real young, probably around five, mm. and uh, started taking piano lessons from the lady down the street. And this, you know, up until college, I was basically just playing classical music, and I loved it. Um, 
you know, it took me a while to really enjoy it. I but I just kept going, uh, and then I started. I went to Eastern Michigan. What, 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 uh, was it, what do you Ipsy. mean? It took you a while to, to enjoy it. Like I mean, uh, as a kid, you know, I feel like it's hard to really like want to practice and enjoy playing what you're doing. Like it was fun, but there were definitely times when I was like. I don't want to play this anymore. I want to quit. My parents are like, nah, you can't quit. We're not letting you quit. You're going to keep going. <laughs> and then, and you know, I was spinning my wheels with that teacher for a long time. And so it wasn't until probably like middle school when I switched teachers, uh, started like, you know, the teacher was basically like, you should be a lot further along than you're at right now. And wow. so she gave me some uh, more difficult repertoire and started guiding me down this, you know, more exciting path. And I started learning a lot quicker and then things just started to click. And that's when I really, really started to enjoy it. And that's what helped, you know, convince me to go to school for piano performance, which I didn't finish that degree, but I started it. Um, and uh, so that's what I mean when it, like, I always, yeah, like I enjoyed it. I liked playing piano, but I definitely wasn't something like I saw doing full time for you know a number of years because it was just spinning my wheels like not learning anything the the teacher what i mean the teacher was she just not a great teacher like she just i, I think he just you know you reach a everyone's got every teacher has a limit to how much they can teach you and yeah. i probably reached that pretty early with her but there's no way for me to know that. Right. And maybe she didn't realize it. There's no way my parents knew it. And so it wasn't until, you know, I went to like a music camp and then started meeting some other teachers that, you know, the some of the skills and the facilities were there, but I didn't, I wasn't learning any of the repertoire. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't, I certainly don't blame her for as, as much on me, but there's just no way any of us could have known. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It, it's it's funny how the teacher can make or break it. Uh, I mean, for because for some kids, it's like the teacher can be so terrible that they just give up on it. And totally. It, and it seems like you wanted to quit, and your parents is like, "Nah, son, you gotta do your thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're doing your thing." Uh, which you know, good on them, man. That, I mean, big ups to your parents for forcing you to do it, but. You know, I, yeah, no doubt, man. <laughs> were they like that for any other things, like sports or anything like that? Um, no, no, literally nothing else. That was the, <laughs> you know, they they said I could, yeah, basically anything else was on the table to quit or start. Um, but the but piano, I, there was just something about it that they were like, you're not gonna quit, and I'm really glad they didn't. Yeah. And you know, I they were, I'm glad they were flexible about other things. Uh, but yeah, I think there's just something maybe they knew about playing music and playing the piano and playing any music that is just kind of, it's very therapeutic, you know, yeah. like it's especially as a kid and it's just a nice skill to have as you grow up, whether you do it for a living or not. I agree. I agree. It's, uh, it, my, my parents never forced me into anything, but they definitely provided the means to, to, uh, be able to pursue stuff. Like my dad bought a, um, like it, just this old uh, Baldwin spinet that my mom still has, actually. Uh, and man, I, I just, it, I from an early age, I realized that all the white keys work together and all the black keys work together. <laughs> and then, but like everything in between was like I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. But I remember being a little kid and just being able to mess around. And then uh, I really, my my dad uh, introduced me to like uh, big band swing music, and I just fell in love with Gene Krupa as a very young mm. man. 
and a young man. No, I was a child. Uh, and and I, I just loved that he, you know, he just like beat the shit out of those things, right? And then that's just all yeah. I wanted to do. I mean, I was aggressive little boy. So, yeah, a drum set. And God bless my parents for dealing with that. Just <laughs> playing swing, 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 or sing, sing, sing with a swing, right? Like boom, 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 boom. And Jesus Christ. That's what my the the my piano teacher as a kid. Mm. Uh, she taught you know beginner piano, and she also taught oboe. And so my parents would have to go to these recitals as a kid, and hearing like an hour of like kid like beginner piano music is pretty rough. But then once you hear beginner oboes just honking away on a double read, God bless them for sticking around that whole recital because that was, <laughs> shit was br- brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah it's not even close to music it it's not it, but you know it's it, it's it, it's a it's a, it's a good thing man that that they that they uh yeah that they pushed through they pushed through and they and they did it yeah i wish i had done drums as a kid i would have probably stuck with that Robbie, probably i i just feel like every little boy needs something to beat on when they're, when they're small they just they just gotta beat on something uh, but yeah, th- those, uh, but those early years of just sort of tinkering around and learning that stuff is, is, uh, was, was super crucial. And, and, and my parents never really forced me to do anything again, but, but, you know, they always encouraged me. I, I don't know what, when you decided to go to school for music, were your parents so supportive of that? Yeah, definitely. They, I mean, they, they didn't. They certainly didn't push me to go to school for music. Mm. Uh, but when I said that's kind of what I wanted to do, they were, uh, they were all about it. They've always been very supportive, um, and not like, "Are you sure you want to do something like that?" Mm-hmm. Like, are you, that's not a real thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, something was messing up with my computer. Oh right. Um, but yeah no they were they were super supportive and again i ended up not finishing that degree in piano performance because i started playing jazz i started playing hammond organ Mm. started getting into other things um and and they were totally cool with that too i mean i guess you know at a certain point you just gotta like as a parent i imagine you just gotta let things go you know you gotta be hands off at some point yeah let your kid be what they're gonna be I agree. I agree. I mean, because yeah, I, I talk to a lot of musicians who come through here and they're just like, yeah, my parents wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor and they were not happy. They were not support. And it gets real dark, too. You know, it gets real dark when, uh, you know, I haven't talked to my father in years, you know, because totally, of, man. of this life decision, um, which, damn. Yeah, that's very sad. That's very sad. Yeah, that's so, tough. I hate hearing that. Me too. Me too. It's it, it's. Why would anybody want to stamp out someone's light like that? You know, stamp out someone's fire. It's like, no, you're gonna be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a doctor. My dad was a doctor, and his dad was a doctor. You know, like the whole fucking lineage of of just crushing people's spirits. It just it runs through generations. It's, it's, I, I don't doubt that that it comes from a good place. Yeah, you know. But I think trying to do something different is scary for folks. It's scary for parents to see because they know what to, they knew what path they went on. And so they can help with that. And when they want to do something different, you don't know and you might not be able to help. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird. No, it, I don't it, know, man. It is from a good place. You're absolutely right because it's like, uh, it, you know, the, because of that idea that becoming an artist of any kind, any medium, 
is uh, it's a it's a it's a gamble, you know. It's not a sure thing, and into that I say nothing is a sure thing. But uh, but you know, people's idea of what a successful artist is, I think, is skewed as well. You know, because people, you know, if you're not on the cover of I don't think magazines are very relevant anymore, but, you know, <laughs> I would always say, like, the cover of Rolling Stone or something. If you're not on that, then you're not successful. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I think that's a skewed thing. I, I, I feel like, I feel like as a parent, if my son wanted to go into the arts, I would be, uh, the thing I would want to stress is that, you know, this is a business as well as, you know, you're, you're, you're expressing yourself and you're being artistic, but you also have to keep a business mentality. Uh, about it as well, uh, which sucks because as soon as you start bringing, you know, art and money, it kind of gets a little weird. Um, yeah. Have you been in that position where you had to play music to just pay rent or, uh, which sounds stupid, but I'm, I'm, because there's been a point where I was burning out with music, which I was very happy to be a musician making money and living and paying rent off music. But there was a point where, you know, I'm playing Brown Eyed Girl to a bunch of people who don't give a <laughs> shit. And it's just like, what am I doing? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Has that ever been in your on your journey? Uh, so I have always had a job in addition to playing music. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and so it's all, you know, it's been a number of things from like, uh, you know, bussing tables, delivering food, mm. bar backing delivering ice, managing an ice company, uh, working in the theater, working at Whole Foods, like literally everything. And then in 20, and then eventually I got a job at a piano shop, tuning pianos and rebuilding pianos. And so that's kind of been my main thing aside from playing music uh, is, you know, rebuilding roads, rebuilding Wurlitzers, rebuilding pianos and tuning. And so I'm able to kind of like uh seesaw you know if you know some of the gigs are a little light i'll just start tuning more pianos and vice versa you know if i Mm. end up getting a bunch of gigs then uh i'll just put tunings on hold for a while so i've been really lucky to have that but there was a time when i was living in brooklyn you know we were playing me and aaron fraser and some of the other guys you know we would be doing you know bar gigs three or four nights a week you know 100 bucks uh, 100 150 bucks for three or four hours and it wasn't and like that yeah that did pay the rent and i needed it to happen but uh i never got even though there were some gigs i probably like wasn't excited to go to like that was also my main like social outlet as well like Mm. these were homies and right you're hanging out so i never got fully like burnt out on it you know yeah no yeah and, and and by the way like complaining about having to be i have to go play music to make a living sounds like such yeah a- but i mean if you're playing you know brown i mean i know exactly what you're talking about like that shit is a grind sometimes and it it's is. like it's not and you still feel like you know you got to put some expression we used to like it's just i don't know it's a weird position to be in it is, it is, but again, it's better than like soul death in a cubicle or I don't know, roof, I mean, roofing in July. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah. No. No. I. I. Uh, man, it was weird because after the pandemic, I, I was just sort of like I. I just ended up going to get a day job, and I just. I, I don't know. I, I enjoy my relationship with music now because it's like I'm only playing gigs that I want to play and I'm only doing projects that I want to do and, and mostly because of time. But uh, it's definitely a uh, 
I just feel better about it, and I don't feel like I have to go entertain a bunch of drunkards or, you know, I, I, like if I, because I still play with a reggae band out of California, so um, yeah, you know, like once in a while I'll go on the road with them and stuff. So that's it's fun, you know. It's just now my relationship with it is much more. I enjoy doing this instead of being like, okay, I gotta go do this again, you know, and fuck. It sounds know. a lot healthier, man. I think so. I think so because it it, get, it gets it gets a little crazy, but I, I I like that you have sort of the the balance. All right, Naders, be well, my friend. Um, I I yeah, come back when you can. Um, I, I like that relationship though that you you found where it's like it's it's something that you it, like it keeps music as a, a thing. It's it's like something that you get to do and something instead of something that you have to do, right? You you totally get, you get to go on the road with Duran Jones and play these amazing venues and and open up with you know for amazing places and you know headline amazing venues and and have that experience. Um, it, it, so when did you uh, start getting in in uh, involved with Duran Jones? Yeah, so that I joined up with them uh, after so uh, 2017 mm-hmm. after they had re-released their uh, self type that first album. Yeah. I immediately uh, bought I think, that vinyl. By the way, like as soon as I saw you guys perform, I was like, I, I gotta get this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you know, I think the original keyboard. This is you know, they recorded in Indiana, and it was so many years after the fact that mm-hmm. you know, Aaron was in New York, uh, Blake was in Chicago, uh, Durand I think was in New Orleans. So everyone was spread out all over the place, yeah. and the original keyboardist just couldn't make the dates after the a tour or two, and so. At this point, I'd been playing with Aaron for a couple of years now and doing those bar gigs. Hmm. Um, and so he asked if I would be interested in joining up. And of course, I jumped on the opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, it was 20, you know, I think mid, early to mid 2017, where I started touring uh, pretty much like full time out the gate. Yeah. Like, uh, we were really, really going hard. Um, and then through that, ended up being able to help write and record on American Love Call and then help write and produce and record on Private Space. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Is how, does, how does writing, how does, you know, is, is there a primary songwriter in the band or is everybody sort of contribute? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, with this last, uh, with this last album, with Private Space, um, it was very collaborative and everything was split uh evenly um it just felt which was which was really generous um on everybody's part um you know i think everyone kind of brings a different set of skills obviously to the table a different set of talents and i think trying to make sure everyone's voices are heard uh really just bent it's it's uh rising uh what am i trying to say it's just to the benefit of everything if everyone can be heard you know yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how you know. That's how people start creating this uh, this secret anger towards people, uh, for lack of better words. I, what would it, resentments? You know, like because yeah. people get re- very resentful in these bands where it's just like there's just one guy, or you know, people get overlooked for things, and uh, so so that's that's incredible to me. It, so. Uh, Aaron, I know he does a lot of vocals. God, he has such a great falsetto. I love his falsetto so much. Um, yeah. Uh, how, who is like, I mean, I know the band's called Duran Jones. Is 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 Duran like the 
quote unquote leader of the band? Like, how does that work? What's like the dynamic there? Um, I mean, it's pretty. Again, I'd say it's it's pretty pretty collaborative. You mm. know, I mean, I think uh, to have something grow and be successful, then you've got to be able to listen and lead when you need to, and mm. everyone's got to step up to try to you know uh, lead when necessary. And so I think you know Aaron's got a lot of great leadership qualities about him and can help put the band where it needs to be on writing or on songs that he's uh, writing or singing. But Durand, I mean, as a front man, you know, it, he's just like incredible. Like yeah. uh, it's such an honor to be able to sit behind the keys and just watch him do his thing on stage. It's just it's super surreal, man. The guy's so talented, and it's a that's a you know a different type of leadership, you mm -hmm. know, a different type of way to show how you're giving it your all yeah absolutely he, he's fantastic man that was just uh like completely blown away like i said when i saw you guys back i don't even know what year that was but you know it was i know it was right before i was about to leave san diego um i think god i don't remember uh fucking burnout uh, but but yeah <laughs> like i was completely blown away by you guys and and that was the first time i ever heard you know duran jones and the indications that was it, and i was going to support the homie and yeah. and plus i'm a huge fan of of his band like that band's incredible uh no so so it was just uh it was a whole thing and so when i saw you guys just lay it down like that i was like god damn these these guys are fucking it's it's beautiful did you guys play bonnaroo did i get that right did you, have you guys uh, played bonnaroo yeah bonnaroo was i think uh in 2018 hmm. what, what's that experience like that was a gig. That was a festival. There was about a month, uh, maybe two months of the summer. I think it was 2018 before doing American Love Call, hmm. where uh, I stepped back for some gigs. And oh. Bonnaroo was one of those. I think oh. it was maybe a one or two tours total. Um, I think it was one European tour and one U.S. tour, and Bonnaroo was on that. Mm. Uh, but it was—I was just stressed out, man. I just needed like a break because that touring schedule was getting super hard, and I needed to like keep my sanity. And so I <laughs> uh, took a break that summer, and then yeah. uh, got back into it uh, when we got into the studio to do writing for American Love Call. And uh, those guys were—you know—the rest of the band were really understanding and really kind to uh, kind of let me take some space from the band for, you know, a yeah. couple months and then come back in with fresh ears and ready to go. Yeah, man. No, that, that it's funny. Like from, a, from people who don't know what it's like to be on the road, like they just look at bands like, Oh, they just drive around or they fly around and they just show up and there's somebody who sets everything up for them. And, you know, like they just, they just lazy musicians, right? Like there's just this idea that musicians don't work hard, but th th that shit is, it's, it fucks with you. Like your sleep schedule is fucked up. Like Dude, you're not, sleeping. it's a, cra it's a crazy grind. Like, especially, you know, in those early years when we're driving ourselves everywhere, you know, we're sharing beds and hotel rooms. Like we're, you know, we're having, <clears throat> you know, play until midnight and then drive like, eight hours to get to sound check by two so we're having to wake up at six it's just a grind man and yeah. so it doesn't feel good physically if, after yeah. a while it can really wear you down emotionally after a while because yeah. you're still around this you know you're around these and again homies mm -hmm. but 24 7 yeah. and you know you've got no uh you've got no personal space that you can have so <laughs> um and you know I, we all found different ways 
to manage that as i'm sure that you have on the road as well everyone has to if they're going to be successful at it but um yeah so that bonner show i heard aaron i remember did tell me though that shit was very wet and they actually stayed in tents on the campground for the first we've never done that for a festival so i'm thankful i missed it for that reason too because that shit was very wet and nasty and also you know i guess those sets go to like four or five in the morning the dj sets yeah. and you just don't sleep yeah no it's not a, it's not a healthy <laughs> environment if you're trying to get some rest it's just you're you're, you're going yeah. you know, I've, I've played some cool festivals over the years and and it, it's yeah you're not going there to chill you're going there and right. things are wild and, and people are going nuts but you did uh you but you were a part of some tours that got to play some uh pretty cool venues right like uh what are some of the cool places that you've been able to go and people you've opened I mean, up for yeah, this last year, twenty twenty two was really fucking cool because we did Red Rocks. We opened up for Gary Clark Jr. at Red Rocks, which um, I had never been to before, and I didn't think it was gonna kind of like hit me or affect me as much as it did. But that place is crazy beautiful, yeah. and um, it's just yeah, it's a very surreal experience. Um, so that was cool, and then see, I'd never seen Gary Clark Jr. before, and that dude rips. It was so much fun to watch. I fucking love that guy. That guy's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was a really big one. Um, we co-headlined the Hollywood Bowl with Nathaniel Rateliff, hmm. which uh, which was, I mean, I think that place is bigger. I think it's well bigger than Red Rocks. Yeah, um, I think so. And so too. that was that was crazy to just be on stage and see that, and you know. Um, so as far as like big venues go, we, and then, you know, we did a, a run of amphitheater shows, opening up for Jack Johnson, which oh, was cool. Yeah. Um, and I can't say enough good things about him and his band. Like, yeah, it was so much, that tour was so much fun. Oh, right. And then, uh, a bunch of, you know, like NBA arena and hockey arenas with opening up for Greta Van Fleet. Oh shit. Uh, Let's go. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happening in 2022, but that doesn't even include, you know, just a lot of the beautiful places that we saw in Europe over the past couple of years. Mm. I mean, um, yeah, I feel it's been. I mean, I feel super lucky to have been able to see all these places. How's your guys's like? How is how's you? I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole, but like, what's the market like? Do you guys get a lot of fans over there in Europe? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really privy to any of the numbers, but. Mm. You know, well, I mean, as, I don't. As, as, but as I mean, go, when no, you, no, no, when no, you go like, there, as we go. Yeah, as we go back, like um, we'll play. You know, if we play, if we play to the small room at a venue mm -hmm. the first time, as we've gone back, then we always get to play the bigger room. And so, oh, you know, yeah. we're always selling out Amsterdam. We're selling out Berlin. Yeah. We're selling out London. Like, uh, folks are about it. Like, I, it, it's really, really cool to see, and it, it's. It's super special. Is there a difference that you can tell between like American audiences and European audiences? I want to say that, you know, places like Berlin, Amsterdam, like folks are out there to dance, which is awesome. Because, <laughs> you know, it's different than like a, a New York show or uh, like a Chicago show not throwing heat at because I love those cities and I love playing there, but it's just the vibe is, is a little bit, uh, a little bit more celebratory. I feel mm -hmm. like in some of those cities. Yeah. It, it's interesting when you look back on music and, and like how Europe, like even like back in the early days of jazz, you know, a, a lot of 
especially like uh, the, the black artists would go over to Paris and stuff and find a more receptive audience. And, totally. Yeah, that's that's. I feel like that's been the vibe this whole time. I feel like uh, in Europe they have just a. Uh, Maybe more of appreciation for artists, not you know, and again, like you said, we're not trying to shit on America or whatever, but but America has this sort of like, I don't know, they have this sort of expectation, they have this, um, uh, what is that called? This, I don't know, not privilege, but there's this sort of this like, oh, this band, are they going to impress me? You know, like I feel like you're always trying to win someone over and obviously like you guys got a hell of fans here so it's not like you guys got to go win over a crowd somewhere but it's like <laughs> it, it, but it, it feels like that sometimes especially for bands who are just sort of like getting their footing and hitting the road it, it always feels like you're trying to win people over whereas like in europe it which i've never played europe but the vibe i get is that they are there for the art and they're there to sell, like you said, celebratory and and celebrate the art. And I don't know. I, I, does, does that make sense? Does that does that seem? Yeah, correct? I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think there's maybe something to be said too for just like for how big this country is and how mm-hmm. much music there is and how you. I mean, yeah. I guess you know there almost kind of is the expectation that there's going to be good music. Yeah. Like you, there's always going to be good music around. Mm-hmm. And we can go anywhere in the country to to see it, but you know, you play some of the smaller towns in like France or uh, the Netherlands or you know even the UK. Like uh, I don't know, people are just about it, and <laughs> people are excited and they're loud, yeah. uh, and it's really fun. And that's not and again that happens in the states too. But yeah. um, I don't know. I think also you know it's a new. It's you kind of see things with rose colored glasses over there because it's new. You know, yeah. like. Who would have thought that we'd be able to cross the Atlantic to go play music for people and they'd be fired up about it? That shit is crazy, man. Oh, like yeah. that is that is nuts. Oh yeah, man. Do you uh do you ever feel I don't know, jaded like when you play these bigger places and then you're back at like a smaller venue and you're just like, Ugh, what a, you know I was just in Paris, you know, like do you ever get that emotion <laughs> of, of I'm just kidding. No, I no, I don't get I don't get any I don't get jaded like that. I, it doesn't really matter the hmm. I don't want to sound too cliché, but it really doesn't matter the size of the venue for me when I'm playing. You know, I'm trying to bring 100%. I honestly really like playing smaller venues more because you can, you know, if you're playing a big venue after the first 200 after the first 100 faces, you really can't see anything else, right, you know? Right. It's just a mass. Uh, but, you know, you play a small club, you know, 150, 200 cap club, and you can kind of, like, uh, feel everyone out a little bit more. Like, yeah. it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's like the energy is sort of more contained and directed, and <clears throat> you can really feed off of it. Right? Whereas, totally. like, like, these big festivals where it's just seas of faces, you're just, it, it's, I, I don't know, for me anyways, it, it, you just sort of, I don't know. You get lost in the space of it all, I, it, which is, I guess, a, a feeling I, only I can understand. But that's it's a, uh, but it's still fun. It, it's just, it, it, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's different. It's yeah, different. It's just it's different. Just different. It, you're right. But yeah, I, I don't feel any like I'm definitely not jaded going from those festivals <laughs> to like back to playing a club date. Like, I don't got it like that, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 
He's like, I was just playing in Amsterdam, and now here I am. <laughs> um, so, what, what, uh, how was it for for the pandemic for you? Were were you um, were you still in Brooklyn, and how was it for you know Duran Jones and stuff? Where, wh- how I know a lot of people weren't playing and stuff, but. Yeah, where were you? Uh, first, so of all? I had I had moved. Uh, I'd been in Brooklyn for ten years, and then in uh, the beginning, early May twenty nineteen, I moved to Asheville, North Carolina, okay. and so I was felt really lucky to be able to be here during the pandemic because there's just so much space, and it's just you know you got you can go out and like do things um, that are easily accessible. So I was in Asheville, and yeah, everything definitely came to a halt, as everyone knows, and we canceled a lot of gigs. Um, and a lot of tours, but that was at a time when we were getting ready to uh, start writing private space. Mm. And so we'd start, you know, having these weekly meetings and start sending ideas back and forth. And it was kind of laborious, you know, because I don't know if you've ever tried to make music like that, but yeah, something I that hate you figure it. out in a studio like <laughs> in 15 minutes ends up being like a three week process over right. email. Right. Uh, but we got a lot done, and it really helped give us a good head start into the recording process of Private Space. Hmm. Um, and I, yeah, and I would end up just, you know, doing that with a lot of different folks that I hadn't reached out to or played with in a while. But I think, you know, we were just all trying to stay creative and hitting up new people and trying to get a good workflow going. So I uh, was lucky to, uh, you know, just write and play with some different folks. And um, yeah, so musically, you know, it was definitely a lull, but it stayed stayed pretty busy and then just waited until it was fine to start tuning pianos again and uh you know keep uh keep paying the rent yeah yeah no it, it was definitely a reset uh for a lot of folks and and uh yeah no that 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 writing sending files and shit like it drove me nuts like i, I fucking hate it man like, it, <laughs> like it, it drove me to the point where i'm just like i don't even care about doing music right now unless it's what i really want to do uh, the, the, I mean, the, the fortunate thing about the pandemic was is that I got to just focus on whatever I felt like I wanted to do, and uh, which was at the time was building out the podcast, which it really, you know, like the podcast really grew in that time. So, like, I'm thankful for that. But it was, uh, oh, God, it was just, it was, it was like, it hurt. Like, it... I don't know, like, have you ever played, like, a gig where it's not, like, physical hurt, but, like, it's just, like, you're pouring energy into the void, and there's no response from the audience, and there's (laughs) nothing coming back, and, like, you're just exhausted, like, three songs into the set, and you're just exhausted, and it just pulls it all out of you, like, have you ever experienced that? Well, that's yeah, what, for sure. That's what it was like every time someone was sending me files. I was just like, this is this hurts. Like, I can't. And so I, <laughs> I, ba- I bailed on so many projects. I was just like, I'm not doing that. I'm not. No, I'm done. I'm fucking done because, like, I'm not. Because I'm doing something that doesn't feel good to me. And, and like, I want to do this other thing. And it's just holding me back from doing this one thing. This is all I want to do from the time I wake up until I go to bed is do this thing and this is just getting in the way of all of that so i i just i bailed on like everything and <laughs> what kind of stuff would you be like what kind of stuff would you be doing with tracks like that was um, sent to you so i was getting people wanting me to mix which uh i i that i mean i, I mean i don't even mind mixing uh but it, and then there, there was writing sessions and then 
like my band that I was playing with locally here wanted to put some stuff together and we got one song which we ended up releasing but like I fucking hated that um which was more like jammy hippie kind of stuff and then my reggae band wanted to do so it was reggae a little bit of hip-hop a little bit of just it was just oh there was this jam band that wanted me to go into the studio in the middle of the pandemic and I was living with my mother who's diabetic and I'm just like bro I'm not going anywhere I'm not doing anything <laughs> and, and they won't ever talk to me again because I because I offended them by not wanting to fucking spread COVID to my diabetic mother and it's just it was like, I mean it's like it's, it's weird times man weird it, times it was very weird was it were you uh were you um I know I stayed medicated the whole time. I, I don't really drink, so I just I was just smoking massive amounts of weed. Was were you uh, self medicating? Were you or were you like how were your how was your mental health? And you can go as far as you feel comfortable, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really smoke weed all that much to be mm. honest with you. Maybe like uh, you know once in a once every couple months or so. But I do enjoy drinking, mm -hmm. uh, and so I was here. You know, uh, it was myself and my girlfriend and one of her best friends who's also in town here, we just kind of potted up and, uh, you know, we would make a ton of food every, you know, you know, dinners together, play games, um, you know, have some drinks. Uh, she works at a brewery. So we had no end of, as, we had as much beer as we wanted, which was, was great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, it was, it was kind of easy to stay sane here because we had the space, you know, we yeah. could go outside, we could go hike and go drive 15 minutes and go hiking, like, um, which was, which was super nice. And yeah. And so that combined with, you know, I actually, I, I hear what you're saying about doing that writing over email and it is a pain in the ass, but a lot of the times people would either send me uh, a track without keys and we were yeah. like, Hey, add some keys on it. And I would actually have a pretty good time, like doing like four different passes, I'd like a organ pass, a Rhodes pass, acoustic piano pass and be like, here, take whatever you want. Like yeah. the pressure was also just so low with stuff like that. That'd be a pretty fun escape from time to time. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, because it was. I think it's just different for everybody. And and like you said, we had space. We're in Ohio, and there's not really like mountains to go hike. But Ohio was like one of those places that opened up real early. And I'm guessing that yeah. North Carolina probably was too. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I believe it was <laughs> in the south there. Uh, but Ohio was definitely like. February 2021, the gym was open, the wet sauna was on. <laughs> like we we're just like, fuck y'all, we are doing what we want. Which I actually appreciated about Ohio once, like I think once the dust settled and we realized that, you know, as long as you're being careful, you know, it's okay. Um, right. and, and, uh, my mom ended up getting COVID cause she oh, went, she's like, she's a nurse. So like she, she was, you know, front lines at a nursing home. So it was a, um, it was a, um, she, I think she ended up getting it from there or maybe not. I can't remember. Anyways, it was terrible. It was really bad. It, it hit her hard, but it, but at that point afterwards, we were just like, oh, well, I guess we'll just be careful. And I, I was at the gym and shit, but yeah, we were able to go for walks. We were able to do stuff. And like, so I couldn't imagine what it was like for people like in Brooklyn and stuff. I mean, we saw those videos of people rapping Biggie <clears throat> from their, uh, from their apartments yeah. and stuff, which was beautiful in a weird, surreal way. But like, 
also, you know, I don't know if they, I, I, I'm pretty sure there's still people out there that's wearing masks and still scared and stuff. Which... Yeah. I mean, I've, I never want to make it work wherever they're at. It just, mm. uh, I was happy to be so, you know, if I was in Brooklyn, we would have made it work. I knew plenty of people who were there and, but it's just, it was just weird, man. Sidewalk sheds and <laughs> like, it's just a, a lot. Man. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, we we were uh, we went to uh, we were in we were traveling a lot. Like, man, I I gotta say, if you ever want to go to Disneyland, go during a pandemic because <laughs> it is the shit. It is bomb. dot com. Like, just walk right on the rides. No lines anywhere. It was wow. awesome. We went to DC like right after the BLM protests and stuff, and and like we saw like these the like places that were burnt down the church was all fucked up and like everything was fenced off which i think that fence is still there now uh, in front That's of the heavy, white house man. oh yeah we were going to new york city and shit it was it it was crazy like the rat kingdom like it was amazing uh but but <laughs> but seeing seeing the fallout from the pandemic uh in these like you know these major cities was was really interesting especially new york which I really don't think it's recovered still. I mean, just I mean, you go there still to work and stuff. So I mean, yeah. Have you noticed a, a change? I mean, I, besides like the the sheltered restaurants on the sidewalk thing and taking up parking spaces and shit. Uh, uh yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I can't say I've noticed like too much of a change from what it was, but um, that might also just from being like a little bit removed and knowing that things are going to change after X amount of years anyway. Right. You know. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting experience. Uh, it, it was crazy, but I, I was I, I don't know. I was I was pretty okay with being locked in. I don't. I mean, besides being able to go, I mean, I was okay with just being in my hole. Like I I started streaming and shit. Like I just became infatuated and and obsessed with this shit. So like. For me, it was like I just obsessed in my hole, and like I still don't ever want to leave or go anywhere anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think every I think a lot of people had. I mean, I certainly felt the same way. Like, I think a lot of people did uh, appreciating the time uh, to yourself. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, and then, uh, as soon as things opened up, you guys hit the hit the ground running, and and you guys started fucking shit up. I, 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 which is appreciated. I, I. uh, it was very good to see music sort of come back and and see uh, artists be artists again. Um, and so, wh- where are you uh, wh- with your album and stuff? What do you plan on doing? Any sort of uh, touring with it? Do you plan on doing any live gigs with Magnolia? I would really, really love to. Um, I was in New York a couple weeks ago, uh, just kind of rehearsing with the guys, seeing what because we hadn't you know really played this album since we recorded it. So we were getting it back under our fingers and seeing what a live set would like, and it sounded really good. So we took some videos of that, which will come out eventually. Um, um, I would love to play some gigs, but it's just been a while since I've booked gigs, and so I'm hopefully we'll we'll find someone who can give me a, a hand on that. Mm. Um, it certainly wouldn't be anything, you know, like we've been doing with. Uh, sorry, the computer is fucking up. Uh, so it wouldn't be anything like we were doing with the indications, you know, size wise, but. Would love to do some small runs in you know different parts of the country playing this album because it's got a lot. I mean, you know, the album's only thirty minutes, but there's so much room for improvisation and interpretation. Like this could easily be you know our uh, seventy-five minute sets, especially with some some additions 
you know, to the set. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully we do get to play some live gigs, but nothing's in, in nothing's on the schedule yet. Right on, right on. And uh, if anybody's listening on the audio, make sure you go and check out the links in the show notes because we got uh, links to the Magnolia, which is Steve's latest album. Or is this your only album? Is this your debut album? Yeah, this is the deb- the debut. Nice. And then uh, and then of course we'll have a link to Duran Jones. You guys go check out Duran Jones because I mean why wouldn't you? Uh, and, uh, of course, everybody who's in chat, please go and click on those fucking links and go hang out with Steve see what he's doing. <laughs> what is your uh, – with booking and stuff, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're looking for management or you're looking for an agent or something to take over? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I know they're uh, – having a, a booking agent would be super helpful mm. in – you know, kind of knowing where to go and having, you know, connections with different clubs. It's definitely stuff that I know that I could like put in the research and put in the work and hit all these people up and plan it. But I just want to focus my time on doing different things. I want to focus on playing, um, focus on writing more. So, um, so we'll see what happens, you know? Uh, uh, so yeah, yeah, I I feel that man. It's like you you want to just be a, a player, and not the. It's a it's a pain in the ass. I I used a book too, and it was just, I hated it. I hated every moment yeah. of it. It's like writing emails. <laughs> the people I did because you're like writing emails, making phone calls. The people are probably never gonna get back to you, especially if you don't have like you know any kind of you know name to it. I mean. You know, it's awesome that you have Coal Mine, who's been, you know, grinding for a long time now, and you got that as sort of a, as something, you know, like as something, that, a little bit of clout going on there. Uh, so at least you could sell the band as something like that. And, but, but like, if you don't have, if you don't have shit going on, like it is, it is doggy dog. <laughs> no one's talking about, you know, like no one's trying to do anything because everybody, you know, obviously they need to make money, and uh, if you're not going to bring people out to drink their alcohol or whatever, they're not going to want that. Um, so, what do you, uh, what do you, do you, do you, do you like, uh, do you have like a practice schedule? Do you have like a, um, like, how do you approach your instrument? Do you is it a daily thing? Is it something that you do? A, is it a schedule? Yeah. Do you wake up, drink some coffee, and hit the keys? Or like, <laughs> you know, like how? No, it, it, it's yeah it's definitely not a scheduled thing mm. um but i've got a piano in you know i've got an acoustic piano upstairs i'm downstairs right now and this has like my little workshop and uh like a living room so i got a couple of my point being i got pianos in a lot of different rooms and it's hard to walk by one without sitting down and playing and um so i, I don't like schedule it i don't make it so like all right from you know 10 to 1 i'm going to be practicing this but uh it just happens naturally and then if there's stuff that i do have to learn then you know i will kind of set time aside to do that if it's like for a gig or something you know Mm. um but uh yeah i just try to sit down and make it easy when i'm uh inspired or feeling like practicing so there's not a lot of barrier to start doing that yeah, for sure. I've 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 definitely just withered on the vine out here. I just, <laughs> just, <laughs> I just I like I I uh, I have a I have like a uh, the Nord um, 
I saw that you had the Nord piano, right? Like you have a Nord piano. It's the Nord Electro 5D. 5D. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I have the, what the fuck is it? I don't even know what it is. It's the one with all the stuff on it. It's like the, the, that's the the stage, the stage. Thank you. The stage three, I think is what it is. And it's just been in my closet. And, and like when I, cause I, I do writing and stuff too. So like I've been writing this, um, or, or putting together and producing this, uh, this Christian, um, little ep and it, I, i'm just like i'm just gonna use my little fucking i have like one of those mpg or whatever the fuck there it's like it has the little drum pads it, it's like the size of this this is a malaka yeah it's yep. like this and so i'm just in my <laughs> this is how pathetic i've gotten as a musician i won't even bring out my nice piano or my nice keyboard i'm just sitting there like with my big fat sausage fingers like eh, playing on these little keys <laughs> Just doing yeah, everything I, mean, I can if to. If you don't like, if you don't have like setting it up, is enough to like take all the wind out of your sails to begin <laughs> with. You know, like you gotta set it up. You gotta find the cables. You gotta plug in the speakers, yeah. and that's like a twenty minutes before you even get whatever idea you had out. At which point you don't remember what it is. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, luckily, I have a little. I, I have like this crazy old. It's an electric piano, but it's from like the mid '60s, and it's some like Japanese weird. Um, it's like a it's like a upright, but it's it's. I mean, it's small. It's bigger than a spinet, but not as like wide because it doesn't have like all the strings and shit. But like it has tines and yeah. stuff in it. It's wild. I don't even know what it is. Like I, I've I've only been able to find very little information about it. But it's set up in my living room, so like I do have something accessible. But it's not. Wow, I gotta see a picture of this thing. I gotta know what this is. Oh, I'll send you a pic. I'll send you a pic. It's it's pretty cool. And yeah. and like, for whatever reason, it has like a Columbia, like Columbia Records um, insignia on it. Like it's weird. Weird. It's so wild. I got it for seventy five dollars at some weird little, <laughs> you know, in one of those situations. It was like seventy five bucks at a thrift store in. Um, yeah. In San Diego, so it, like that. I mean, I that, that, I love that thing. It's amazing. It's fucking. It's 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 my. It's it's like if if I was gonna like save anything out of the house, if the if the place was on fire, it'd be like, all right, get that in, get that in, and we're gonna carry this bitch out because this is like the only just, thing that matters. Just the hardest thing possible. To yeah. Get out of that well, house. I mean, I'm not gonna run for my stage three. <laughs> <laughs> it's like once the family's once the family although the stage three was fucking more expensive than my fucking car's worth so like it's <laughs> it would be like it would probably be in my best interest to grab that but i'm just I, it wouldn't be i would just be like all right grab that and we're, we're taking this fucker out oh my god it, it's just a, it's really cool i'll send you a picture I'll, I'll, uh, yeah but, yeah i'd love to see it uh but it's uh yeah i i'm definitely dying on the vine it's like music is one of those things is like if it were as, as instrumental as it's like if you're not using it you lose it and like i know i'm just losing it it's just being lazy yeah. but but i have a day job and it's just like fuck dude when you get home from a day job you're just like it, i don't know i mean you you've I, had day jobs you know what that's like i can see it from both sides man like i can see how scheduling the time and forcing yourself to do it is going to obviously make you a better player and but i don't know i'm kind of of the mind too that you don't want to turn this 
thing that we started to do for fun and joy into a chore, you know? If every time you're sitting down at the piano and you're just like, ugh, I have to do this, you're not going to want to do it when you don't have to. Right, right. I can see both sides of it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And and I sit here and I mentally beat the shit out of myself just for being such a lazy <laughs> bitch. Like, you know, it's like, you lazy bitch. <laughs> like, you just just fucking touch it all you gotta do is touch it for like a few minutes every day it's fine but you know whatever it, it's if i don't have a gig coming up i i'm not i'm not i'm not dinking around which I, which i really like writing music and I, I play guitar as well and so it's like um I, my guitar is more accessible like I, I can just reach over and grab it and start touching it but I, st I don't even fucking do that right now i don't know i'm just in one of those i'm just in one of those like you know those waves peaks uh, and valleys man peaks and for valleys. sure well what, so in in, in asheville is the uh, are you a part of any projects like local projects where you're gigging and stuff is is that i know it's a college town but i don't know is there a, a gig economy out there is there yeah there's there's a good music scene out here good gigs to be had um i've you know played with a couple of folks a couple of random gigs here and there but i haven't really put myself out there too much mm um you know since i've been here you know is either touring or the pandemic and so i've met some folks but not enough like uh getting off the road from touring and stuff i just wanted like often take some time to just relax and and not try to you know hit hit it too hard um so hopefully i will be you know we'll see hopefully i'll play some more gigs here coming up um you know this summer or something but the 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 scene is definitely here and live enough to do something like that. It's just not something I've entrenched myself in just to try to keep myself uh, sane. You know, yeah. only you can only do a couple of things at a time. I mean, that's me. I know a lot of dudes who yeah. do 90 different things at a time and they're as happy as they can be. And I respect the shit out of that. Yeah. But I need to, I need to pump the brakes a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. Like, like like especially if you get off getting off the road and going right into like full-time gigging again it, that is fucking hard that is harsh yeah. it's not easy as my therapist is like they're just like they get the earfuls when it's those times <laughs> which i did which that don't exist at this moment in my life and i'm happy about that because i i, I don't think it's right. mentally healthy and like there's just a certain there's it's like it's just such a weird thing to go on the road and play all these shows and like you're just inundated with people and you're different places and you're traveling schedules fucked up your sleep is fucked up and then like when you finally come back and sit it, it takes like for me it takes like a couple weeks just to sort of recenter because you're just so twisted up from the road man. And I don't even totally. Tour. I've I mean, never yeah. really even toured like you've had to tour. Like I, I, you know, I'll do like a couple week run here or there, but like I couldn't imagine doing like all summer long and maybe into the winter. <laughs> you know, like it's that's a yeah. that's a that's a grind. How, how and I say, I, yeah, I mean, and I say all this like I I do enjoy touring and I do like playing gigs. It's just you know, as you know. Uh, but I feel like maybe not everyone knows, you know, it's, it's a, it's a grind, you know, mm -hmm. like it's a, it does. Yeah. Same thing about taking a couple of weeks to have to just reset your schedules kind of flipped, you know, it's especially depending on what time zone you're at and what you're coming back to. Um, you know, I love it. It's very fun, but it, it can be hard. 
I just want you to know, Steve, that you just got a real-time purchase uh, of Magnolia on vinyl. Whoa. Naders. Naders, let's go. Wow. There you go. There you go. Thanks, pal. Uh, Naders, <laughs> thank you so much, buddy. Naders, you're such a great support. He loves vinyl too, so like, right on. Yeah, you fucking. That's awesome, Naders. Thank you so much for supporting our our guests and stuff, man. You're you're awesome. Thank um, you. Yeah, man. Nader Nader Tater, fucking bad motherfucker over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh oh oh, jeez. Oh, daters. You're going to make me blush, buddy. Thank you so much for those biddies. Thank you so much. Let's go. Let's go. We're doing it. We're doing it. I'm just playing now. There we go. Now I just, now I'm just, now I'm a morning radio DJ. Um, yeah, the, 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 the stress of, of the road is crazy, but what are like some of the things that you do to sort of, um, and like level your head out if if things are you know a little too much for you. Yeah, I mean, I always try to bring a good book. I always mm -hmm. try to get at least one book read on tour. Uh, off days, I'm always trying to find a place to go golfing. Oh, so golfing. if I can go golfing on an off day, find a place to rent some clubs, yeah. just walk outside for you know six hours, get away from everybody. I often do like to spend off days just on my own. Mm. Uh, again, just because having that little bit of space can really make you come back you know a lot stronger so uh, but that you know try to stay connected with you know uh loved ones you know my girlfriend and that you know because that can be another additional stressor hmm. um and yeah just try not to get too fucked up all the time again i like drinking um <laughs> and i think it's important to know when it's all free and available <laughs> to you all the time that you don't necessarily have to do that <laughs> Just because um, it's free doesn't mean it has to go in. It's, yeah. it's free literally everywhere. <laughs> and that, you know, and so that's, you know, I've been doing this for many years now, and I'd like to think I'm getting a little bit better at that. Um, <laughs> was not that it was ever, oh, not that there was ever a problem. Okay. Um, there, there was never any sort of issue because yeah, as a whole, I think, you know, the bands that I've played with, the indications included, very tame, very chill bands, you know. Oh, it's, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, it's, it's different. <clears throat> to have to get in the van for six hours if you're hungover versus you know if you uh had a good night of sleep yeah totally man no yeah fucking dude the reggae band is a bunch of fucking animals they're animals <laughs> fucking animals it's i've never experienced that man i've never and i don't you know at this point i don't think i want to because it no. scares the shit out of me but, no that's uh, i mean i've been lucky enough every band i've played with has been so chill yeah. but what's the reggae band like they are fucking they're just they're drinking from the time they wake up until they go to bed and smoking like hella weed which you know that's fine i i don't mind that because weed doesn't make you feel like a piece of shit on the bottom of a shoe <laughs> when you wake up so it's like you get a chance to uh a bunch of lightweights you better calm down nader uh oh he said he said you might <laughs> He said you might want to try disc golf. I don't know. Are you familiar with disc golf? Oh, I've done a little disc golfing. Oh, yeah. There you go, Naders. Mm. There it is. Uh, but no, they're 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 just they're just wild, you know. Like they're fucking. It's like half the band from Southern California and the other half of the bands from Central Valley. So it's like when when we're out, we're out, and a lot <laughs> of us have families and stuff. So this is their time to shine and and fucking go. Yeah, uh, they're reprieve. 
family life. Oh my god. It, I mean, and even when they're home with their family, they're just like waking up with a Bud Light. So it's not like it's much different. Other, the only difference is that we're just <laughs> traveling and playing music. Otherwise, they're home drinking and smoking anyway. So it, it's just it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. But I've been on the road with them when I was uh when I was like super straight edge. I wasn't smoking weed. I, I wasn't even eating carbs. Wasn't drinking caffeine or anything. So I was like, do they have any nuts? Can we get some? I need to stop and get some nuts <laughs> and some coconut that's, oil. And they're making that's fun of me. Interesting touring. <laughs> it's tough, dude. It was tough. Like because there was a, another band that I just did a pickup tour, and and uh, it was one of those situations where you gotta learn like all this shit in like a week, and then you're like, all right, let's go. Uh, but they're fucking wild animals too, and and I'm just sitting there. They're they're just clowning on me because I'm eating like seeds, and like, <laughs> and they're at like In and Out and fucking smashing burgers and stuff. And I'm just oh, just I, can we stop and get some like lettuce? I need some lettuce. And they're just fucking, <laughs> haters, haters. But yeah, that's too much. That's too much clowning, man. That it is. It is. But you know, I gotta say they're 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 professionals, and once it comes to the stage, they're on they're on so you know good on them but i I can't do that man if i'm if i'm drinking like i'm just a worthless turd like (laughs) i'm not i'm not good with alcohol Uh, i feel you it's a good thing to know you know you are you aren't it's true man it's It's true Uh, are you able to have a few or or and go and play pretty pretty good or play well um like uh or or, i mean or even to the extreme like are you able to like get down hard and still go and hit it and and be able to hit all your marks and stuff i i i could i could but i don't right like i mean at least um there's just it's just not worth it anymore like i just don't need to like go that hard like right before a gig like um <laughs> yeah i'll definitely have like a, a beer or two before a gig um if they happen to be around which <laughs> they usually are um but i'm not gonna get drunk before a gig it's just like it's just it's just too much that could go wrong man yeah. i mean and i don't think it would go wrong but just like worst case scenario that shit is so embarrassing <laughs> It is, man. It really is. I, I've definitely so. ruined a lot of band sets because I was just shit faced before getting on there. <laughs> now, like, no, I, I always say it's like my music career started after I quit drinking because I, I became reliable and <clears throat> and yeah. uh, I wouldn't show up shit faced. And you can be as good, you can be the best player in the world, which I'm not, but you can be the best player in the world. But if you're showing up late or you're showing up shit faced and you can't, play, and you don't know the music or whatever it is. Doesn't matter how good you are, you're you're just fucking shit up. So yeah, I see that. And it's a bad hang. It is. It is. It really is. And 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 I'm and I'm not a great hang when I'm fucked up. Like I'm I'm yelling, which not so much anymore. Like I can now I can have some drinks and not be a wild fucking person and screaming in the streets. But you know, (laughs) like I'm still just sloppy. You know, and and that just doesn't. You know, that's not good for playing music is being sloppy it's, it's right so You're not able to say what you want to say you know exactly it's just it's just bleh. but You're yeah them. yeah man it, what 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 how how important is mental health to you uh it, i mean super important mm. i mean it's i i think 
you know, I've definitely had some times when I've been more anxious than I ought to be, especially on the road. And I'm trying to figure out what those kind of triggers are and mm -hmm. uh, how to avoid them or what helps if, you know, you get into that sort of mood. But I think, um, I, you know, I haven't, it's been on my list for a while to like talk to a therapist or see a therapist. I feel like everyone could benefit from that. I know yeah. a lot of folks and friends who have, you know, standing appointments and it's not like anything's wrong, but it just helps keeping things nice. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think mental health should probably be important to everyone. Others, I mean, yeah. Other, I mean, what's the alternative? You're going to just, you're going to feel like shit. You're going to be anxious. You're, yeah. you're going to be stressed out. Um, and maybe, you know, it just depends on what those factors are and why you feel that way. But, uh, yeah, trying to feel good all the time is a priority. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it, it's tough, man. Like I, I deal with depression and so like, I, I, I have like two therapists, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it was something that had to be done i feel know? like it's like it's starting to be and i feel like it's just i mean just more and more people feel more comfortable talking about it which yeah. i think is fantastic exactly. like you should be able to be open about this shit like this is uh this is important stuff like this is it's stuff that affects all of us and if we can't talk openly about it then that's just going to cause more problems i feel like i feel like we're for, probably from the same generation and, and like being younger like you you talk to your friends about look, I, I think about going to see a therapist what are you gay you know like that whole thing <laughs> fucking gay you gay like it's like well i mean yeah, at least for me like i that's how my friends interpreted that so so there was stigma. I, I definitely feel like there was a lot of stigma, and as as we're sort of as society is becoming a little bit more accepting of of mental health and talking about it, I, it's it, it I, I I love that about this next generation of kids coming up. Uh, even if it does go a little far sometimes on some, but we don't have to go there. But it's it's still it's like it's good that we're going down this road where we're able to have these conversations because there was a time where. If you're talking about mental health, you know, you're, you're, there's a stigma and, and you're somehow broken and you're somehow, you know, not a, 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 a you know, contributing member of society. So it's, it's definitely this thing that uh, is lightening up and people are starting and feeling more comfortable about talking about. So, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, man, that's really good. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of, toxic masculinity in the midwest you know uh <clears throat> in, in our day and i'm sure there still is now too but yeah just being able to like talk about this shit if you're not talking i mean it's it's just that feels really important to be able to do now you know yeah man yeah uh and, and you don't like that that the, the term toxic masculinity it's interesting too because like i, I feel again like i, I sometimes it kind of goes too far because I, I feel like there is sort of this thing against people being masculine and i don't think there's nothing anything wrong with it but like you said like especially here in the midwest where very blue collar you know very much a uh, factory and meat and potato type of upbringing um there there is this thing where it's like uh, you know my, my dad used to call me a pussy about hey, you fuck a pussy like go do that you know you little pussy like there is this this line where it's like you can be masculine and 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 but you can also be like you know you don't have to be de degrading people and because of how fucking masculine they are 
Um, totally. You are what you eat. Yeah, you goddamn right, Naders. You goddamn right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, and and you know that you know that whole vibe, especially in Michigan and Ohio here. These these people are animals, man. These people can be animals, <laughs> gun-toting animals. But but I, you know, again, I, I feel like I've come to terms with all of that. And uh, but it, it's it's not a bad place to be. It's cheap, so whatever. I'm not I'm right not on. complaining. I'm not complaining. Uh, so uh, you are again, everybody. Make sure you guys go and check out Magnolia. If you're listening on the audio, the links are in the show notes. And uh, of course, Naders. Thank you, Naders, for uh, for purchasing uh, a, a, a what did you say? Green marbled vinyl. Is that what they are? <clears throat> Green Dude, marbled there, press. Nice. I didn't know there was any of those left. Good get. Yeah. There you go. Good get. There you go, Naders. You uh, you got one of the rarities. Yeah. No. Hey, nothing wrong with gun toting. You just can't be an animal. I, that's what I, just don't be in piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, uh, Steve, I had a wonderful time chatting with you, and I appreciate you giving us, you know, all this time. And I know you're not feeling well, so I appreciate you nah, st- sticking through. And um, not sure if it is. I'm hope. Okay, gotcha. No, it, it, it's good. You're good, buddy. Uh, and uh, I, I look forward to you guys doing it. What, uh, what's going? Moving Dutchman. Welcome in, my friend. Uh, what what are you guys at with uh, um, the indications? Where are you guys with that? Are you guys working on anything new? Are you guys planning on any touring? How is that going? I think we're hopefully going to uh, get some writing in later this year, but <clears throat> I think we're all taking uh, we're all taking a, a break to for the rest of this year. You know, Durand uh, just announced his own solo album that's wow. coming out this year. Uh, you know, I've got this album that just came came out aaron has myriad different projects that he's working on uh as well as blake so i think everyone's just taking this year to kind of uh spread their wings a little bit and work on something different and hopefully come back to working on indication stuff that much stronger hell yeah hell yeah that's badass all right well steve i I appreciate it i've been asking everybody uh at the end oh oh can we listen to a song before you go is that fine Please. And then we'll ask our Throw final question. All right, guys, we're gonna listen to uh, we're gonna listen to your. It was the lead single, right? Dark Moon was that the lead single? Yeah. We're gonna just listen to the lead single because why the fuck not, y'all? So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna play this, and then uh, we'll come back and we'll wrap up with Steve, uh, and uh, we'll we'll be on our merry little way. So this is Dark Moon off of magnolia which was just released on friday exclamation point sk will bring up all the links and uh enjoy this uh incredible composition by steve akonski (laughs) it took me a while all right let's check it out
There it is. And I just realized, Steve, that you probably couldn't hear any of that. <laughs> That's okay. I've heard it before. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, shit. All right. Well, let's go back here and let's wrap I saw up. You I saw you vibing on it, so uh, I knew it was playing at least. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, shit. He's just sitting there in silence. Fucking Google Meets. All right. How do I get back? Man, Raina, Raina, you really fucked me over here. I can't. I don't know what's going on. Hold on. Uh, okay, Steve, uh, I mean this tune, you need some, oh, oh, no, I'm not gonna, no, I would not put my, my, my hack, uh, uh, melodica skills over something like that. <laughs> I mean, they wanted me, they wanted me to play my, her, my, my melodica over that, which I would not do. Uh, Steve, oh, Jesus. Maybe later, okay. Maybe maybe after Steve leaves, so I don't have to embarrass myself. Steve, um, final question here: What is uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice I've ever gotten, um, <clears throat> a little heady, a little lofty, but basically, uh, this was from my neighbor. He built pipe organs. That's how I started working on pianos. Uh, started working with him on instruments, and he was really—he really just said, "You know, if you're gonna do something, uh, just do it. Just do it right. Like, don't half-ass something because it's easier, even if no one else can see it. Because you're gonna be the one who has to like deal with. You're gonna know it's there, and that's gonna be uh, worse than if anyone else has seen it. You know." I'm not explaining this as well as he explained it to me, but the idea of just basically having a good work ethic and if you're going to do anything at all, you might as well do it the right way. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's perfect. You, I think you said it just fine. That, that's, that's a great piece of advice. Um, Steve, again, man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, I look forward to whatever you guys got come up next. You and, and, and your and the indications or and Terry and Coal Mine Records, whatever, man. Let's let's make yeah, it happen. Man. 